Welcome to the Ape Talks. As always, this is your host, Mr. Ape, and I hope you enjoy the 55th installment of me talking to someone else. So the poem, it goes something like, I am a poor man, and all I have is my dreams. I lay my dreams under your feet on this cloth. Please be gentle when you step on them. Something like that. Yes, from the equalizer. Like yeah, from yes. the equalizer, the movie. From Equilibrium. Equilibrium. <laughs> <laughs> That's another movie <laughs> <laughs> featuring Denzel Washington. True. This guy, he Blaine, right? What's his name? Michael Blaine, something. Uh, like. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Uh, yeah, Michael Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> but man, what a good movie! Like um, you were telling me about how it's one of your favorite movies, even though it's cheesy and all that. Like you told me, but it's still remarkable in the sense that. The way they incorporate totalitarianism in this movie is insane. And on top of that, like, emotions are legal in this movie, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. a society, like, uh, almost like uh, like 1984, where no one is allowed to have any kind of emotion and everyone has to shoot this vaccine into their neck every that day. neutralizes all their feelings and, and, like, emotional thoughts. The idea is that after so many world wars, people came together and they started to try and figure out actual reason and basically it was human emotions greed and uh, anger and the need for power and all of that but you can't take this without the positive stuff so I think the solution was to just you know uh, kind of strip everyone from these emotions but the result you saw what the result was like at the beginning of the movie when they show you how people are functioning they're so gray you know they're just devout of any personality you know and they're functioning like that but the whole movie shows you that it it's the price we have to pay the risk that some people are evil to be human to be fully human you to be fully human you need to experience the full spectrum of your humanity which incorporates so many things other than just being a functional member of society and walking in line and you know uh, being productive at work and how important art is for your humanity because it makes you feel all those glorious things you know and you look at a painting of a beautiful uh, natural landscape or anything like that and you can really admire and someone saw this and saw the beauty in it and went through this whole effort of trying to capture it for you either in the sense of realism which is beautiful enough or they add all these interesting thoughts to them and look at how much how many ideas you can get from just looking at a painting you know a real painting and you can't try to suppress that you know how long can you survive in a society where you are not allowed to be anything different at all you can survive but the price is that you would have to kind of smother that part of you that wants to leave you know that wants to go to your limits and cross them and see what's on the other side why this movie is very important to me is because i saw it as a kid living uh, in the gulf and it really highlighted the importance of creativity because in many places in the world that's not an important aspect of life people are just surviving or they're living in a system where what that denies them this kind of experience you know theater cinema uh, live music 
I'm talking jazz and, and, and symphonies and orchestras and all these things that make you feel really alive. Everybody loves the sunshine. For instance, you <laughs> that know? Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, and th- like, how did you discover that song? Did you turn on the radio and the guy <laughs> came like, hey, today on this week's top 10 charts, everybody loves the sunshine. No, you were digging because you needed something to tell you how you felt. Right. You know, and without that, <laughs> what are you? You know, you're just a lot of questions. It's, you know what's so beautiful about art is we have these strong feelings that we don't understand, like in this movie, like this quote we started off with today. W- you know, this we all have the feeling of love and vulnerability, but the way that the words are put and they're organized in a way to invoke it all and wake you up in a second just by reading this quick poem. And I'm, I'm still trying to ask myself, it's a beautiful poem, but why did they pick that particular poem in the movie? You know? Because that is what saved the man. It was love. That's the essence of your emotions, to love something, you know? It can be anything. And even now, in, in our societies that is open and you have infinite access to all kinds of literature, and you still find it difficult to put words to describe your love to someone, you know? And the more you think about it, the more vague it is. Like, what is it, you know? You, you can talk about it for hours, but... This guy, who has lived his entire life feeling nothing, feels this love. Even the medication that they take could not block that, you know, just like in 1984. And uh, that's what freed him. So I guess they picked that because he chose to risk his life and read that poetry in hopes of finding words to describe this overflow that he's feeling rather than just telling it to be quiet because we all know that's one of the most difficult things to do like once you love something truly or someone and you're thinking about it there's nothing in the world that can shut it down until you decide to somehow sometimes (laughs) you know so he risked his life and that's how he wanted to die that's how he died he was reading the poem uh, by Yeats and um, he read that last line you know I have nothing uh, but if I had the cloth that is the night and all the stars in it, if I, if that was my only possession, I would put it under your feet. But please, for God's sake, tread lightly. You know? Yani, see, it's not just like, hey, I'm fully in love with you. No, like, I love you, but also look at me. See me. Don't just step over me. You know? It has these layers. And I think that described him and his feeling. And he chose to do that at his last moment, you know? And that's the beauty of it. That's why art is important, because it is the representation of our freedom. If we live in a society where there is no art and you're not allowed to have art, this is the biggest indicator that you are living under control. You know, you are not alive. You think you're alive. You think you're free. Once you are in a society that appreciates creativity and art in any of its forms, and you were telling me about this really weird one today. <laughs> which one? Puto. Oh yeah, Buto. <laughs> I'll tell you about that in a bit. Uh, one of the things I really admire about Japanese culture in general is how a lot of people are creative in anything they do. I saw this video not long ago of a man sweeping the street. You know, how creative can you get in this job in general? You see people sweeping their, the street, they're sweeping, it's clean, they put it in the thing, Haida. 
maybe if uh, it's in a good place, he'd have a smile on his face, <laughs> you know. But this man, he's like sweeping the leaves in such a manner, like it's a meditation for him, you know. And he's doing it while he's so happy to do it, you know. And he's creating these shapes and then you do this sweep and create a different shape. And then you just like put them all together, sweep them up, continue, move on to the next. I think that this is the level of freedom that people should arrive to everywhere. A place where regardless of where you are in society and what you do and what your responsibilities are, you can do them with your heart, you know, not because you need to do them. Otherwise, you're going to starve to death. How do you think people find that, that thing that they do from their heart? That it, we're talking about that word it and hmm. how that word means everything almost, you know? It. Right. If something has it or right. not. Right. It is not easy to have. <laughs> okay. Which is why not everyone has it. Because a lot of people are put in situations where they have no capacity to really sit and put their survival instincts aside and all the things they need to do every day to go on to the next day, you know. Of course, the setting plays a big role, you know. But in reality, in the actual moment, it's all about your willpower. If you are able to find it in yourself, while you thought there is no chance you would even be alive in a week, but you still manage to find it and move through, it would be much more valuable for you than going to a monastery in the top <laughs> of a mountain where nothing is ever going to disturb you and you're living in perfect harmony with everything. Yes, that is absolutely amazing and admirable to be able to choose to do that with your life. But that is your choice. What if you didn't have the choice? What if you were thrown in something and now you have to either find it in yourself to survive or you die? I think if you manage to find it in such a situation, you would cherish it much more. What do you think makes something have it? You know, like we were listening to songs and you were telling me you have a playlist mm -hmm. of just songs that have this it, it, it feeling. You know, yeah. I showed you one song, you were like, hmm, it's good. I showed you Everybody Loves the Sunshine. And you're like, this is definitely has it. It has it. And I would be bewildered, like, oh my God, I didn't think that kind of sound can have it. But what I think it is, is when you come in touch with a truly deep creative vessel in yourself. But it's not just that. In that moment where you created this, you let go of so many things, you know, and you decided to really go deep, you know, to really dig, to dig and dig and dig until you can't anymore. But then it just breaks open and you find this flow. Why does it have it? Because it comes straight from your soul, you know, from your creative energy. It's from there it's not from outside where the energy kind of lingers no it's from that thing that wants to come out you know 
And right. the more you are alive, the more it has more pressure on it because the more thoughts you need to express and the more, uh, can I curse? Of course. Crap, the more crap you see in, in the world, the more you need to let it out, you know, because if you're a human being and you have any level of empathy and you just like go on Google for 10 minutes a day to read what's happening in the world, you would realize that there is an unbelievable amount of suffering. So no human can see that and still do nothing and say nothing. You have to say it somehow, even if it's in a one minute ukulele song or something you, you sing in the bathroom and then you go take a shit, you know, it doesn't matter, but it needs to come out. And if it's coming out from that place of dire sincerity, then it has it. You know what has it to me? What? T- taking a shit. Right? It has that feeling. <laughs> and you know what else is a great example of it to yeah, me? Right. Like, I, I was really bad at learning guitar. It took me forever. So I could never learn the chords and all that stuff. So, I, you know, they have these things where there are the lines and they show you for each string, one, zero. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, what's crazy is even if you learn a song perfectly through that system, oh, I need to do this. Okay, it's one, th- zero, zero, two. Okay, done. Even if you play it perfectly, okay, let's say you get the tempo as well. You still don't feel like you're playing... If you you can't play like Jimi Hendrix, just following everything perfectly, you need to have this it would weird. Sound different. Right, it needs to have this it that Jimi Hendrix has, where you play and play all these weird things that he invented on the guitar. That's the beauty of art. If you create something that is your own, even if someone plays it or paints it or writes it exactly the way you do it, it's just not the same, because the, the, your sonic signature is like a fingerprint, you know. You can do everything the same. You can like look at the fingerprint and try to draw the lines and spend your whole life trying to draw the lines. It will just not be the same. And the fingerprint, it morphs kind of, you know, as your skin is changing, you know, all your cells are dying and constantly being replaced. So it changes and grows with you, you know, not technically changes, but you know what I'm saying. And it is your fingerprint. You put your soul into this. It is your soul. And you didn't just like, Jimi Hendrix didn't just pick up a guitar and go like, he started off plunking like a chicken, like everyone else. And then he persevered. He would practice six hours a day on the toilet. Who? Jimi Hendrix, you know that? <laughs> John Coltrane, when he's done with practicing, he'd take out the reed and it would be dripping blood from his mouth. You know, it needs a lot of pressure. So Was it a saxophone? Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine your mouth bleeding? You know, and it's cut open. It's not bleeding because your gums are bleeding. It's, your lips are chapped and dry and cut and khalas. Your cheeks are, are uh, <laughs> cramped and everything. And you still go. Usually if you go practice anything, you will reach a point where your body and your mind are just done. You know, you can practice music seven hours, ten hours a day if you want. At some point, you're going to reach a point where you just don't understand what's happening anymore. You know, this all sounds like this chaotic mess because to move... From here to there is insanely difficult because you need to sacrifice that. Like the fact that your mind is tired and your body is tired doesn't matter to John Coltrane. That surpassed the fact that he is tired. Sacrifice. Yes. Remember what I was telling you about pain and suffering, you know? Some people sacrifice in different ways. They sacrifice themselves in a way to get these thoughts, to go to these places. They felt they needed to go there to to bring something or to uh, move it to their music or to stay alive even, you know, in order to, to bring out something in them, the music, the art. They sacrificed their minds 
if you were creating something that is touching so many people and changing their lives and becoming part of their uh, individuality and their uh, uh, and the essence of who they are and how they perceive the world and the situations in it, you know, if you're doing that to people, but you're so tired, what do you do? Do you just go like, you know what, I'm tired, I'm just going to stop and like, you know, I'm not talking about pleasing people. I'm talking about giving something to the world that puts you in it, you know? What, what are you going to do? You have a gift. You don't have to be an artist. You can be an incredibly talented surgeon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you can be a really talented surgeon. And if you think that you have this gift of healing anything, you know, would you stop or would you heal, heal, heal until you're done? I was talking to someone who believes it like, you always need to help people to like help to, yourself to, to an extreme level. This is what she was telling me that like she she's willing to help people so extremely to where she's sacrificing herself. Okay, but like let's say I can help ten people a day, but uh, I'm exhausted and I, maybe I last for ten more years before I burn out and die. You know, or I, or I start making mistakes on the ninth and tenth patient. Okay. Whereas if I help for like five people a day. I can make sure what I'm doing is right and not doing anything crazy. Okay. And uh, over time, I will live longer and help more people. There's, an, you know, this is there's this idea where you need to go all in 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 terms of. It's it's more than an idea. It's an obsession. Let's say. I think you can always be obsessed okay. on, in a healthy level. You know what I mean? Can you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. For example, you can be very patient about your obsession. You can have this feeling of obsession, but you don't need to act on it as though you are an obsessed person. I mean, we all have certain things that we partake in, mm. right? Whether it's a drink every week or something. You know, maybe we, we, want, we have the desire to be obsessed with this drink or this art or okay. this uh, like enjoyment that we do. But we still like control that, and we let that live inside us. But we don't let it become reality. If this is your sole purpose in life is to create something, the only way to push it to its limits and create the fullest thing you can create out of this idea is to just throw yourself in it. You know, yani, if you come out the other side. And you have the creation in your hand. That's amazing. There, there has to be the risk, you know, because if you don't take risks, then you're putting a limit. Of With course. The risk is the line, you know. But once you go like, I'm going to risk my sanity, for instance, you know, to write this piece of music, you know, you're going to be playing it all day, all night, thinking about it, eating and thinking about it, clanking the spoons and thinking about it, you know. If you don't do that, your, your, your mind will not process it to the point where, bonk, you move forward, but not just any forward. Give someone 10 minutes to think about something and give someone a year to think about something and tell them to write an essay. Of course, the you more know? time you invest is great. Yes. There needs to be breaks. There needs but to this be... This is because the, the art, the creation surpasses me. I don't matter as much as what I want to make. Doesn't matter. I'm going to die anyway. Should I die and make something mediocre? Or should I die anyway maybe a little earlier, but make something that will really stay with people. I don't want to be immortal or like be immortalized or anything, but like how much do you value the things that made you who you are, your books and your music? You value them like your life, you know? Yani, uh, when you lose your laptop, most of the time, okay, you're pissed that you need to buy another laptop, but 
for me, you're more pissed about all the uh, stuff you had on it. You That's know? why you back it up. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you back it up. That's in there, you know. You'd be upset that you had these things, you know. This is what makes you yourself, Yanni. Come on, imagine everyone you know without without them ever having any favorite feeling, you know, like a favorite food or this favorite time of day, you know, or this tiny ritual that they do in the morning or whatever. Yanni, these are tiny pieces of art in themselves and tiny pieces of expression. You know how many friends I know that drink Turkish coffee that everyone makes it a little different, you know? <laughs> It's just boil some water, put cup of co- put a spoon of coffee in it, boil it maybe a little more, and then like put it, خلاص, it's done. Some you people know? do it on the cold, some people... Yeah, so yeah. my friends and I, we, when we talk about it, it's like, no, I put lukewarm water, put the coffee in it, stir it, and then like, you know, scoop the water up and down and let it drip through the... So that <laughs> mixes, and then wait... And then when it kind of slightly boils, it start boiling it in, in, in succession. And and yeah, yeah, and the more times you boil it without it hitting this certain level. Dude, you know? And then I would go to a friend's place and they and they would make great coffee. And I'd go, how did you make it? Just boiled water, put the coffee in, you know? Right. But once you make your own coffee in the way that you like it, it just tastes right. Why? Not because the coffee is magic. It's just you put your emotions in it and your personality in it, you know? Yeah. You're right, there is a risk. You're taking a risk, whether it's you're making coffee or whether you're making <laughs> a paint, whatever it right. is, right? But when you, when, you make a, when you take this big risk, of course you have to, t- not taking a risk is a risk. But w- there are certain risks that you don't need to go all the way in, you know? Like, I can, I can take it to not 78% risk, no, 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 you know I what I mean? I don't agree. Because if you live on such a fucking level, man, it's pretty unhealthy to a certain degree. It's not very balanced. Look, when, you're, when you choose your craft as your lord and savior okay it becomes your religion you know your connection to the outside and to everything can be through this just like god it can be your teacher because the first lesson you learn from trying to pick up any instrument is discipline if you do not discipline yourself to practice this instrument, a minimum of X hours every day, you will not be able to get to where you want to get in time. The same thing is with a guru or a teacher, okay? Once you want to learn something absolutely important to you and you find someone to teach you, you need to give yourself to fully learn especially if it's something not taught in schools, you know, like finding yourself or finding enlightenment or finding balance in your life or getting in touch with the uh, supernatural or getting in touch with uh, all the unseen things, you know, or or seeing God if you want to see God, you know. If you go to someone to teach you that or if you find something to teach you that, you need to give it all yourself It just do you think anyone can really teach you those things yes yes but it's a big gamble but don't you think you know you're in a situation where you could be taken advantage of because a lot of most of the time yeah. in those situations you will you get up, taken advantage of yeah, whether it, you look at any kind of the risk guru documentary or imagine if, imagine it was easy imagine if it were not risky and you would go and ask someone like please I need to hide you know you need to give yourself the more you give of yourself the more you will receive 
hopefully, you know, you might not receive anything. But it's usually like that because if you hide part of yourself from something that is that you want to be a part of your center, then that part will never come in touch with that, you know. You need to be at a point where خلاص, I'm so tired and I'm so dead, but I don't care about myself as much as what I'm doing, you know, because there is a pleasure because you disappear. The self dissolves in the act of creation. You become this thin line between creativity and something that's happening and you're, you're this pleasant feeling, you know, and the, 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 it's, it's outside yourself. You're channeling it, you know, and once you're that channel, the feeling of selflessness is so freeing. There is such profound pleasure in reaching that point. It's like running. I don't run, but I know I used to. So I know that w- there's a point when you're running. when You, you get the runner's high? No, you, get, you hit the wall. Your kidneys are like oh, screaming yeah. in agony. You know, your legs are like, why are you doing this to us? You know, and you keep on running. At some point, you just, bah! Your body... Your ego dies, kind of, for a second, you know? Because your body's now taking control. Stop thinking about it, you know? And you get that runner's high. Why? Because you did not listen to that victimized voice, you know? Like, sure. I can't do this. I'm too tired. You know? No, I decide when, when I'm too tired. And as soon as you decide you're not tired enough and you just go like a few minutes more, you're there. It's practice in dissolving all the walls and boundaries that you build up going out and facing you know people and all the crap that they do you know it's just this pragmatic way to remain true to yourself and to what you want the other day we were talking and i was talking about memory loss and i was telling you i saw this video of this super old man he's playing this piano and he can't even look at the piano and he's using one hand you know he used to be pianist in the day so i started thinking about it again and i realized that was so beautiful and so impactful for the fact that he was still able to access that place you know he can't remember anything he has alzheimer's and he can't even look at the piano he's so old his hands are shaking you know but he's playing a nice tune and to him that's everything he is in the flow he is out of his suffering he's not an old man in a in a nursing home barely playing a piano no he is in tune with the creative force that is within everybody and thus he is in tune with everything you creating a tiny piece of anything a piece of, a cupcake is a mirror to life because the universe is creating itself You know, you are a result of a massive creation and you are also creating this tiny thing. And one thing we can be certain about God is that something has created us. You know, it can be uh, luck, it can be you know, aliens, I don't know. Something created us and that is how everything is. Everything is being created and destroyed all the time. So the best way to get in touch with God is to mimic the most sincere power in the universe which is to create life or anything like it so like having kids depends you know this you know if you can value creating a cupcake you know and you can look at it and really go like 
I am so satisfied with this really crappy first cupcake that I made because the process was so enjoyable to just make something, you know, and you do it more and more and then you refine it. If you can value that, then perhaps maybe somehow you're ready to like think about creating a life. I don't know why I want to say equalize <laughs> again. Equilibrium. <laughs> Equilibrium. Uh, you know, how do you find creativity in such a situation when you, when you let's say you work, when you were sitting on his desk, yeah. I was watching the scene where he was on his desk and yes, everything yeah. is arranged perfectly. Yeah. Like, like everyone else. Like everyone yeah. else. He starts moving it because he stops taking the vaccine yeah. every day. His mind His mi- wants to express. Right. The guy comes up to him and asks him, what are you doing? Uh, and he has to immediately say, it's more I'm, efficient this way. Right. <laughs> How can you remember? That's pretty impressive. You remember this? It's, it's, yeah, because it's like, well, that's a cool excuse. You know, it's a good, it's a good thing to say if you're in that situation. Someone's going to shoot you in the head if you, if you answer wrong. You will find it, you know. And if you put children in a playground that has toys there set already and nothing else, just sand and the toys they would play those games, the slide, and then whatever the space allows them, like running, whatever. If you take children out of that context, why am I saying children? Because for me, children are the ultimate force of creativity. We kind of slowly like kind of hammer it out of them, you know, don't be like that, don't say that, don't think this way, don't be rude, don't be loud, don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be. It's not just be, you know? So once they're taken out of that, Here's your, here are your toys and here are the ideas you can have and put them in a forest. I thought this was maybe the third or second time they come to this forest. They were running. They were so happy. They were climbing on trees, pretending that things are different things, horses and, and uh, you know, uh, fortresses in the trees and all of that, you know. And I thought, oh, okay, they're interested. And then I came a couple of days later and the whole setting was different. They got stones and they put them in tables and now they had a restaurant you know, and uh, like they're taking turns pretending to come and sit and order. And like, here is your salad, sir. And it's like leaves, you know, <laughs> and you pay in green leaves and yellow leaves. They created a currency system out of the leaves. You know, <laughs> It was almost fall. So there were yellow leaves everywhere. So the green leaves are more expensive. Wow. They got to that level, you know, it's like that would be three yellow leaves and one green leaf, please. I'm like, oh, crap. I don't have that money on me. I don't have that much cash on me, you know. So what makes you creative is being open to being creative and receiving. You cannot be creative if you're not inspired. The moment you tell yourself, I have nothing to learn from something, then you have just blocked it. And and so you block the pathway. You know, I was just thinking, walking in Hamra, that if you really want to, you can look at absolutely anything and be inspired from it anything so i started looking around you know like the street like garbage and you know so like looking oh the asphalt the the sidewalk and you would get all these thoughts like oh the all the little bricks feel like all the people that are stuck in their heads and like laid out in the most efficient manner and you know disregarded and not being sweeped and not being taken care of i would be learning from it and i would be getting inspired but it turns at some point you know and i would hurt myself that in itself, the hurting is an experience to... If you closed yourself to learning from even the, the bad experience of right. opening up yourself, then you've closed yourself to something. You know, you mm. need to constantly be in a mode of learning and accepting. But, you know, 
one thing that I learned from being so open is that I have a self to take care of, you know? So you need to be wise in navigating the endeavor of inspiration. It's so important to, to put yourself in those situations. But also, you know, there's a typical saying, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Exactly. So you have to learn from them and not fall for the same traps as exactly. well. So it's important to, to go through that stuff. If you don't it's go part through of it, right? If you if you don't go through that stuff when you're younger, you're gonna have like a rebellious phase in your phase in your forties and call them a life crisis. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, you need to fuck up. You need to do some stupid shit when you're young. You need to learn from it. But you know, obviously to a certain level, you know, you sh- I I know you don't like boundaries, and I I understand where that concept comes it, it, from. There, there is balance in everything. Right. Yeah, I mean. I don't, I, I, I don't think you should just put boundaries on everything. You should put boundaries, but sometimes it is worth testing what would happen if you removed that boundary. You know, you haven't forsaken that boundary, but Jan, I'll give you an example. Sure. Okay. There's a spider on the table. It's this massive tarantula. Okay. Your boundary is your body. And you don't want this tarantula to cross your boundary because it will in your head, be a a danger to you, you know? But the moment you decide, I will see what happens if I cross this boundary. And you put your hand and allow it, allow the tarantula to get on your hand, you will feel this sensation, you know? There is a big spider on you, you know? I can't believe you've fucking done that, man. It's crazy. But... The feeling of you having it on you and being so close to this uh, seemingly frightening creature, you know, you you know what happens? You see that it is alive, just like you. And it the spider doesn't walk and goes like, oh, I'm a scary thing, you know? No, it is scared. So when you break the boundary of fear, you connect to anything, you know? There's the risk of the spider biting you. But that is not the spider's fault. It's yours. All you have to do is change your approach. You know? And sometimes you open, you test the boundary, you get hurt, and then you close it off. If you close it off forever, you've lost the experience, you know? But if you change your approach, sometimes Mm. you feel, oh, now I know how to navigate this area without being hurt. Imagine your life if you do that on all of yourself. I'll never forget... The cockroach thing you told me. <laughs> it it was the first instance of that, you know. I can get you a peacock and you can instantly connect to it because it's like marvelous and so colorful, easy to, you know, the beauty is just there. But yeah, I was telling you, my mother has a phobia and I she kind of passed it along to me. So I couldn't, I needed to deal with it. I uh, captured a cockroach. I put it, I, I remember now, you know, those CD cases. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had two of them, so I took off the two lids and I put it there and I stuck them together. And then I made a hole to drop sugar and I observed it. And the same feeling happened with the spider. I was so close to this thing that is terrifying me. I'm grossed out. I have goosebumps. Now, just thinking about it, I kind of feel it, you know? I have these goosebumps. I'm like, I just don't want to look at it. It's so gross. You, you know? just squish it and kill it instantly. Yeah, we were saying, and you know, usually you see a cockroach, you don't go stop and go like, what are you doing? You know, you just, you kill it, yeah, right? <laughs> right? So once you look at it 
and try to shut off the voice that's telling you, ew, gross, uh, so high that you, sh- you need to shut it off. And once you shut it off and you look at this as life that is worthy of living as much as you. Hmm. And you see that, you know, he needs to eat and he needs to move around. And like, I'm sure he misses other roaches, you know, I still kill them because who wants to deal with that roach infestation scenario, you know? And actually, they they tend to do that. Just a tip. When, at the beginning of the season, they don't just invade. They have roles, you know? So some of them are scouts. They go and they move around and they find like a hole in your kitchen. And they go in. Oh, smells like food in here. Let's check it out. And they go into the kitchen. They don't eat or touch anything. Just go scout, see all, where all the food is. And they come back to where they came from and they leave a scent. Okay? This is good. And so other roaches whose jobs are to go grab food and eat and mate and all of that, they, they see this and they like invade that space, you know. So if you can kill that one, the few ones that scout your place at the beginning, they don't come anymore as often. And sometimes I leave the corpses next to where they came from, like, ain't as nothing a, here but your death. <laughs> like when you put the, <laughs> the stakes, the stick you know, of the the heads. you know, yeah. <laughs> This is such a paradox, such a contradiction to what I was saying. But at the end, we are, if you want to consider all animals and creatures equal, it's a jungle situation. I'm sure a lion would look at you and go like, "Mm, yummy, you know, he's not going to go, oh, he's an equal life matters. No, you know, (laughs) why? Because the lion... Like, that's what a lion does, you know? Lion hunts and eats, you know, and sits around, like, you know? Please, uh, please remind me what your friend said when your cat brought that uh, feather of that animal. Uh, it was a night jar. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was a night jar wing, uh, <gasps> which is like uh, an endangered bird or something, according to her. And she's like... Uh, you cat shouldn't hunt Yeah, yeah your cat shouldn't be hunting these, these birds. And like... Seriously? Yeah. Okay, I'll have a talk with the cat. You know, the like, fuck, man? Yeah, you know, uh, see, like the function, the, the, the main uh, uh, goal of the cat program is hunt. Hmm. That's why we are afraid of lions, because they are the best at this, you know? So yours is to understand. You have the capacity to look at the stars and somehow throughout time go like oh that's actually a massive ball of fire and it's probably dead and it's like 200 million light years away you know so uh, imagine your mind which is is, look how big your head is you know it's like nothing compared to earth you know or anything so imagine this can encompass that i think you need to do that as a human you're cursed you're doomed (laughs) to to need to do that because you're outside you're an outsider species. You're alien, actually, to the earth. You know, when you think about it, you're you're different from everyone else. Everyone being every other animal. Every animal is in perfect harmony with their role in their ecosystem. Everything works in this immaculate system where death is just another thing, you know. And uh, passing on your genes is that like, the end point, the end game of your life, you know. And then you come along, you have nothing but your mind. You have no claws. Look at your skin. You know, you can get cold if it's just like a gust of wind, you die out of a fever, you know. You're, you're so fragile. You're not made to be naked outside. 
you need a home you need fire you need to do things to make food you, you need others you need others also you are like in incorporating all of that into your momentary life you know and you can think in the past and you can dream about the future and you can imagine things that you've never seen before you know yani i can't tell what animals think about but according to how they seem to be living their life they don't seem frustrated from being who they are you know i've never seen a lion or a seahorse or Uh, any creature that goes why am i an elephant you know having an existential yes, crisis yes it's always like why can't i be an elephant and these fucking humans just leave me alone you know <laughs> i can't be myself right. they know what they are and they can't because we don't know what we are and we're stopping them from doing that and we are killing ourselves so so slowly and like most people if you have a uh, if you don't brush your teeth okay You will never brush your teeth until you go to the dentist and they go, oh, <laughs> you got to take most of them off, you know? Then you go like, oh, shit, start brushing my teeth. Wow, I forgot. Man, you just said a lot of intense things at the same time. I don't know how to approach each one. And, uh, you know, like I, I'm trying to say, oh, I need, to, I need to make a statement on that. I need to make a comment on this, <laughs> share my opinion on that. But uh, it's so intense to the point where it's hard to... Um, keep track yeah <laughs> for me too yeah how do you deal with uh, so many things so i feel like you have so many strong emotions in you uh, such an intensity that screaming you know what i mean if i were to pay attention to everyone i would like to pick up on these things and they would stick on me you know and the intensity comes from the urge to like get away <laughs> i need to be my thoughts not just what i'm picking up you know so the intensity is is kind of like the breath you know and now there's just me again you know and i'm calm again but then builds up and the energy builds up and then there's this impulse the pulse you know and to be able to continuously do that even to myself and i'm sitting at home say it's been like five days maybe at home you sometimes your thoughts start bouncing on the walls, you know, and coming back to you. And it's like some other person talking to you, you know, and they stick on your head and you're trying to work or trying to do something, not think about them. At some point, you need the, that pulse. Do you talk to yourself? I talk All the time. Right. And like, I have the most intense arguments and I tell the best jokes. I swear, ask me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But the, you know what's funnier is that I tell a joke to myself and I, I, I laugh. But also I laugh harder because I know no one else would laugh. Yeah, I feel like when you talk to yourself, for me, like, let's say there's a, something I've been wanting to say for a while, and I'm practicing how to say it, I just keep saying it like I'm, I pretend to be in this scenario where, I, or, or like, let's say when I was a kid and I had to go see the principal tomorrow, I'll just, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to do uh, tactically. You put yourself in the situation. Right, and just keep doing it, and you know what, let's do it again. Hello, no, 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 and you start to nail it to such a strong level, to where you're almost like, you're like an actor, basically, you know, because... I was just... Like, that's the thought you put in my head, Anjad. It is that, you know. Buto, what we said earlier, is a form of Japanese theater where the facial and physical expressions are pushed to the limit. If you are sad, every part of your body needs to express it to its fullest. And you need to find the most creative way to express it and moving way. You need to feel uncomfortable, you know, to feel later the relation. Yeah, and you look at it, you're like, oof, this is really heavy, you know, it's 
it's dark somehow. It's not really dark. I mean, he's not doing anything dark. You know, he's just like messing up with his facial expressions. And they usually have body paint on them and they move on the floor, you know. But at some point, you realize this is a manifestation of that emotion fully, you know. You're not pretending to be someone that is having the emotion. No, you are the emotion itself. Anger, uh, sadness, uh, wrath, whatever. So same with talking to yourself in different ways, you know, and you're acting, through acting, you kind of relieve yourself from the responsibility of being who you are for this given amount of time. And that gives you this, like, you are in the box of your mind all the time, you know, you open the box consciously, or you are in the box, you know, you can open it. But once once you're like, eating or whatever, you're in it. So especially when you're stressed it feels like you are within this depression or stress or whatever when you act you step out of the box you're another box <laughs> you're some other individual and you're looking now you're experiencing who you are but not through who you are not through your eyes yani, i've taught kids uh, drama and theater and i've seen several degrees of this you know and why it's so important you have Someone that is, uh, does not have a real need to express themselves and they try to practice the, the whole talking, you know, being someone else uh, acting and they do it and it's interesting result. And you have people who want to express themselves and they use this, the techniques and they're doing the things and they also express themselves and you have the people that don't even know that what they're doing is like absolute expression. Uh, an example there was an autistic kid in one of the classes that I had he was in a kind of a difficult family situation okay both of her, his parents were very classic and they could not accept his individuality so one of the uh, assessments was that they should write a monologue the whole time is just a monologue they go on stage no props nothing and they need to be that person that character and the way to do that is to talk to yourself at home you need to write the monologue out of nothing so the only way to do that is to talk to yourself you know you talk to yourself you ask yourself and you answer yourself and all these all these practices built up to the point so this kid he had prepared nothing Everyone else had plans, you know, and they were working on it for weeks and like what they're going to do. And they practiced like, I'm going to take two steps here and do that with my hand, you know, <laughs> to that deg degree, which is ad admirable on its own. But this kid, he had no idea. Like, you know, he came up and I'm like, you need to do a monologue. So you need to speak and let your thoughts go and show me what you have. Okay. Sit down. The kid is like 11 12 years old if you look at him you would never think like he has much violence in him you know suddenly in an instant there's this shift and now he's this 45 year old man talking on the phone you know talking and arguing with some guy in Lebanese you know you know I instantly realized he's portraying his father wow okay so He's acting to be his father, and he, he and at some point, he's like, 
شو عم بعمل انا هون؟ You know, everyone was like in there just looking at me, you know, like, <laughs> teacher, is that loud? You know, I'm like, no, shut up, watch this, just watch, see where he's going with this, you know. He does this, in, he takes us on the edge of our seats. Everyone was like shocked, everyone was moved by his performance. It was so raw, so real, so uh, egoless, you know. He, had, he wasn't thinking, I'm acting. He just switched, you know. He was changed his personality he was acting and you know why he chose to do that because that is what he needed to process and talking to yourself is for me the best way to process things you know because no conclusion will ever ever convince you like one that you arrive to on your own you know how many times have you been in a shitty situation and your friends come in i'm sorry dude have you tried going to the gym you know (laughs) 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 you know Uh, you never go like hey thank you for suggesting that i'm gonna go this is the solution you know when do you actually go to the gym when you go like i need to go to the gym and you go to the gym and you push yourself that's the only time you go to the gym you know it never happens so the conclusions you arrive to on your own are the most important and I, some of the best conclusions I've arrived to in my life. I was in the toilet or, you know, cooking something and talking to myself or like having a big argument in the living room and then kind of go like, why did you do this thing? Like, you did this because you think this way. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, imagine arriving at the point because, you know, like all the thoughts are already in your head, <laughs> you know, but it's like talking is different putting them out and talking to yourself means that you don't have to hold back at all you know you can tell yourself anything who's it gonna tell i hope you taste it and i hope you never forget the smell of it mr rape signing off (laughs) 